Grace and peace be to you from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Word of God for our special consideration this morning is our second lesson, Philippians 3, verse 17 through chapter 4, verse 1, as printed in your bulletin and already read. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, it's a bold thing to say, even more to write. I doubt that many of us would be comfortable doing it either. Hey, be like me. Let me be your role model. Take a long, close look at my life and imitate it. But that is precisely what Paul lays himself open to, is vulnerable to, what he says here in Philippians. Imitate me, all of you. Is this an overdeveloped ego? Is this supreme confidence in his own holiness and purity? Is it a desire to remake the church in his own image? None of those. It is instead Paul's recognition that we need role models. And that if we are not given good ones, then we will find and follow bad ones. We need good role models because none of us is born intrinsically knowing what being a good man or a good woman looks like or, or how to live and behave as, as the best you or best me. And role models illustrate and illuminate those things for us so that we can bring forth the good in our lives and leave the bad behind. And we especially need role models as Christians and in the church, even as adults, because each of us has a sinful nature that is always working to turn us away from righteousness and the fear of God and toward self-centered indulgence and unbelief. The world around us is no help either, because it presents us with countless role models of the wrong sort, and it makes them quite attractive. So the Holy Spirit here moves Paul to write and impress upon us the need to choose our role models wisely, with Christ very much in mind. And here the apostle is specific and serious about warning people, both his Philippian readers then and, and modern readers today, to warn against choosing the wrong role models. And he doesn't bother with labels. He, he neither calls them what they would have called themselves nor what others might have called them. He just identifies them by what matters to a believer, where they stand and work in regard to the gospel. He pulls no punches. He calls them enemies of the cross of Christ. He's not happy to do this. He does it with weeping, but he identifies them as they are. And this will not be the first time either that the, the, the Philippians or that we hear about these wrong role models. Paul warned that congregation about them often when he was with them. And you too have been cautioned against bad influences and false teachers since, since you were little or at least young in the faith. But still the apostle adds an explanation. This is what identifies them as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end, he warns, is destruction. 
This is not just saying that they will eventually end up in hell. The word end here has a sense also of goal. So Paul is telling us that these people tempting the Philippians and us to follow them and imitate them are deliberately heading in the wrong direction, away from God and heaven. It's not like heading for New York, missing a turn, and ending up in Philadelphia. It's more like heading to Death Valley for the skiing, getting others to join you there for the skiing, and ending up in Death Valley and not skiing. Paul also tells us these role models, these false role models, have their appetite as their God. The Greek word here is actually belly or or stomach, signifying that, that these are people whose lives are dedicated not to serving the Lord, but to serving the desires of their flesh. Maybe they are actual gluttons or drunkards, but this could just as easily mean that they prioritize popularity or comfort or avoiding conflict or that they simply prefer easy lies to hard truths. And since it is a lower power that they serve, it is not surprising that they find their glory not in in true good works or godliness, but in things that should be their shame. Look at me, they might say. I I am not shackled to any old school morality like those fuddy-duddies over there. I do what I want, when I want, and I'm proud of it. Or they might say, angels may fear to tread where I go, but I don't care. I have the courage to rewrite God's word and will to make it better suit the times and my own tastes. Paul sums it all up by saying that these people are thinking only about earthly things. Their eyes, their lives, certainly are not fixed on Christ or heaven. They are focused instead on the things, values, and pleasures of this world which do not and cannot last. They are definitely self-centered, not Christ or other-centered. Now, none of these characteristics are necessarily things that are easily seen, but they are real, and they need to be recognized, and they line up with the things about these enemies that are visible. They're false teachings and practices which can be identified because they are in opposition to the gospel and contrary to the truths of Scripture. And all of this, identifying them and turning away from them, matters. This is not an apostle trying to protect his spiritual turf, selfishly accusing others of being selfish, nor is Paul making a mountain out of a molehill. Following these wrong role models means following them to destruction. No matter how right or good or woke it may feel when you're with them on their journey. That which is opposed to Christ is aligned with Satan. That which turns away from God's will turns toward hell. That which serves the belly instead of the Almighty brings guilt instead of salvation. That's not what we want. 
That's not what the Philippians would have wanted and not what Paul wanted. Most importantly, that's not what God wants. What He wants for us, for all people, is perfection and paradise. He wants us forgiven for our sins, not reveling in them right up to the moment when we are damned because of them. He wants us to see Christ's cross as our friend, the source of true life and true freedom. Freedom from sin, freedom from Satan, freedom from fear, freedom from death. And what God wanted for us, He worked for us. He made a plan from the very beginning to save us. And He made a promise to our first parents when they first sinned. And He kept to that plan and kept to that promise over centuries and millennia despite unbelief and ingratitude, despite disobedience and disrespect. Kept to it because He loved us. Kept to it because He was determined in mercy and grace to save us sinners. And so finally He sent His own Son to be born in human flesh just like ours, to live with all of our desires, but to conquer those desires and to use them as God intended, and then to die a death much worse than any of ours because His suffering and death on the cross included suffering the just punishment of the Almighty on all the sins and stains and guilt and rebellion of all people of all time. He paid the full price. And in so doing, wiped out our every obligation and gave us instead His own perfect righteousness. So now we who were shut out from heaven now are now welcomed there by a loving Father who looks at us and sees nothing but perfect children, sees the holiness of His very own Son. That is why Paul can say here that our citizenship is in heaven. We are strangers, foreigners on this earth, And we will not really be at home until we are at home with Jesus who is coming back to get us. And as we suffer in this life, as we all do and will, and as we deal with the pains and imperfections of these flawed bodies, we eagerly await our Savior's arrival when He will transform these humble ones into glorious bodies like the one He received when He was raised from the dead. This is the Gospel. This is the good news of what Christ did and won for us with His cross and empty tomb, entirely from love, entirely without our deserving it in any way. There is nothing more precious or more powerful but it can be all too easily lost if we are not careful. That's why Paul issues these warnings. Don't walk like those guys because they will lead you astray. 
And that's why he also gives the better alternative. Be like me. Imitate me and pay attention to the others who are walking according to the same pattern, the pattern that you were taught, the pattern you've been shown. Paul doesn't give a list here of of habits or practices, which might have been convenient for us, but we know enough about him and his life to know what this means to follow him, to know what was worth imitating. What kind of role model was he? And those who followed the same pattern. Well, what we know of Paul from from his letters and from the book of Acts is that once he was converted, once he was turned around there on the road to Damascus, turned around from a Pharisee, a self-righteous man persecuting the church of God to God's number one missionary to the Gentiles, he was 100% dedicated to Jesus. It was always clear. There was never any doubt who it was that Paul served. And he was not just knowledgeable about the gospel. He was excited about it. He knew the message of salvation in Christ, which was what had transformed him and saved him. He knew that that message was the greatest good news that anyone could ever hear. And so he was eager to share it every chance he got. He trusted God completely. Despite beatings, stonings, imprisonments, and shipwrecks, and who knows how many arguments, he knew that the Lord would take care of him and keep on moving the gospel forward no matter what happened. And he had absolute confidence that his end was heaven. This also meant that Paul was unafraid and courageous. He knew that we are more than conquerors in Christ and knew that nothing anyone can throw at us can do any real harm. God will work everything out for our good. So no situation and no opposition terrified him into inaction or unfaithfulness. And yet with everything he knew, he was still, as an apostle, a student of the Word and a disciple of Christ. He was never satisfied with what he already had. He demonstrated a hunger for everything that God might reveal in Scripture and a confidence that everything found there is eternally true and always relevant for everyone. Also, like Jesus in our gospel today and and, and Jeremiah in our first lesson, Paul cared about being faithful to the message he was given to preach and to teach. And he was unconcerned about being accepted or liked by, by those who had opposing interests and values, even if they threatened him. He would not compromise any doctrine or be silent about any truth that God had given. We know that Paul also was honest about his guilt and his unworthiness and never rationalized sin or compromise. He was loving to all and concerned about everyone's salvation, even that of his enemies and of those who opposed the gospel, not just in general, but individually, person by person, soul by soul. 
He wanted sinners saved, just as Jesus did, just as Jesus had saved him. This was Paul's life. A pattern worth following for the Philippians who knew him personally and a pattern worth following for us who know him and his testimony from Scripture. Ultimately, of course, it is not so much Paul's example we follow, but Christ's, who Paul himself was imitating. It is Jesus we want to be like, but we can see him in the lives of real people who show us how. But some of us might say, hey, (laughs) that's all well and good for you, maybe, but I'm my own person. And I can find my own way. I I don't need a role model in order to be a better Christian. Well, think for a minute. Here is what you are really saying then. I'm not going to look at anyone else. I'm going to look at myself. I'll be my own role model. What kind of measure or standard is that? You, like everyone else, you are a flawed sinner, and you are also hardly objective, an outside standard, someone else, someone better, provides both perspective and contrast when you compare yourself to him or her. With self, the most you can ever aspire to is, I'll be better, but in and with a proper, godly, Christ-following role model, you can see the better that you aspire to. Or perhaps some will do what what children approaching or even upon reaching adulthood will sometimes do and mistake difference or even indifference for independence and reject the role models that are so carefully given them in their youth for new and different ones without really considering what they're doing because it all just seems so much more adult. They say, these, these people here, these are the cool people. These are the people my friends identify with. These are the ones having the most fun. These are the ones being most angry or honest or woke or whatever. I'm going to be like them in what I think, and how I act, how I vote, speak, and everything. And they give no thought to what Christ might have to say or how it might impact their faith because they feel this is what it means to grow up. But that is not the path to independence or adulthood. That's the road to destruction. And so Paul not only encourages us, all Christians, to join together in imitating his faith and life as Christ's servant, but to join together also in standing firm in the Lord. The world's role models move and change and shift as it suits them. But we, following Paul, following Christ, know where to stand, know how to stand, know why we stand. And so we do. Because not to stand firm. Stand firm in Christ. Stand firm on Scripture. Stand firm in our faith. Not to stand firm in the face of temptation and persecution and compromise and pleasure would be tragic. For you, 
and for anyone else that you might influence. The cost of losing your faith because you choose a poor or outright evil role model is both severe and eternal. So don't. And here we cannot help but consider the truth that you and I too, like those Paul mentioned who walked according to the pattern that that he had given them, we also are role models to others. Generally speaking, we'd rather not. We don't like that level of inspection in our lives, just as we don't usually like that level of introspection in our lives. It makes me uncomfortable as a pastor, as a man, as a husband, as a father, to say, be like me, as Paul says, be like me. But I, because of my calling, cannot help but be seen as an example. This is what a Christian is supposed to look like. But you also... Every one of you has a calling as a Christian, as a disciple and follower of Christ, and so you also cannot help being seen as an example. And sometimes it's obvious. You know who's looking at you. Other times, well, see, the thing is, we never know for sure who all might be looking at us at a role, as a role model or, or even when. The world is certainly full of bad role models. Look at politics in America right now. All the people standing up. We can look at least see the people on one side, if not both sides, and say, that's not someone to follow. I don't want my kids or anyone else to be like him or her. Think of the bad role models for the shooter in New Zealand this past week. People that he thought it was worth following, worth being like. We need to provide the world better examples. Provide our kids, our neighbors, our co-workers better examples of what it is to follow Christ. What it is to be different in the way that matters. So we strive. We strive to be that father, that mother, that co-worker who is considerate above all things. And we struggle because we know that sometimes we lose our temper. Sometimes we give in to that temptation we shouldn't have. Sometimes we're just not very nice. We struggle. And we don't want then for people to look at that and see that. See, here's the thing. We are forgiven for all of our faults and failings. Christ took away all of those sins. He paid for them at the cross. And our trust in that good news of grace, the good news of our salvation, our faith and confidence in that is the greatest part of our example, the greatest way in which we can be a role model to those in our lives. And so being forgiven, we can be those role models. We can follow Paul and follow Christ as our models, and we can be confident. Confident that our citizenship is in heaven. Confident that a Savior coming from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, 
will come soon and by the power that enables him to subject all things to himself will transform our humble bodies to be like his glorious body. And so then we can and we will stand firm in the Lord and keep on standing firm. Amen. Please rise. And the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.